So one of my coworkers texted me just now as we sat down to record. Would you rather have Pat Mahomes? Yes. Or or a punter? Oh, I know this. I know this question. 100% of the time. Guaranteed down at the one yard line. Guaranteed pinned the opposing team inside their own five. And by one of your former coworkers, you mean someone on Twitter that also DM'd me this exact question? No, I don't. I mean one of my coworkers. Did somebody on Twitter DM you that's this why I know. That's why I know this question. Huh, interesting. Um, well, we're, we're riffing about it right now. Well, I mean, obviously. So, so you know, we love Mahomes. But, like, if you have a punter that can guaranteed start the other team at the one – uh, <laughs> that seems pretty like a, like you should get that guy. Uh, I don't think so. I think Mahomes, give me Mahomes. Yeah, I know. I so mean, I actually pulled numbers on this. Oh, you did on. Oh my God. Yes. Well, that's random. Yes. So this is the, um, the chance that a team scores a touchdown from the one versus the glo- the overall touchdown percentage. Okay. Since 2001, teams were 17. They scored a touchdown on 17% of all drives and 7.8% on drives from the one. They okay, so touchdown. you're getting a 10%. Uh, 10%. Really, it's like you're cutting it in half. It's not really 10%. You're saying sure. if all touchdown drives are 17% and one yard touchdown drives are 8%, they're going to score touchdowns gotcha. half the time. And so you're taking an offense that, let's say, puts up you know, 28 points a game, and now they're going to put up 14 against you. Um, I I feel like you can take your chances with a with a lesser quarterback than Mahomes if you've got that punter. Uh, but counterpoint, I mean, this is where it gets interesting. What is my alternative? Like, do I get a, just a normal punter? Because my normal <laughs> punter is not going to make them start at the 40 every time. I mean, like if I get a decent punter and decent punters are much easier to find than good quarterbacks. Right. So yeah, just because I can have a magic punter, that's going to essentially cut my points allowed in half yeah. by punting, which is amazing. Don't get me wrong. That's a very cool skill, but like there are a lot of good punters that exist in the world that, maybe wouldn't do that, but still would give you good field position. And I mean, you still have to like, like the punter is, is putting the ball inside the five, right? Like they could still return it. I don't know. I, I, oh, it's at the one. They're not going to, they're not going to return it there. They're going to fair catch it or let it bounce every time. It's guaranteed know. to get down. At the is, one. is, uh, is McCall Hardman on the other team? Ah! He's returning it. Welcome in, everybody, to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. It is May 6th, 2021. We're talking football. Here with me, as always, my man, Taylor Witt, to break down the footballs with me. Taylor, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. Uh, just uh, had my birthday yesterday, so I'm 34 old years and uh, ready to start another trip around the sun. Happy birthday to you. Happy Cinco de Mayo for those of you who celebrate. Hopefully you enjoyed your taco Wednesday yesterday. We had some tacos here 
in uh, the bird law household. So that was exciting. Um, we've got a great show for you guys. Again, as always, we just brought you our draft coverage. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to let that simmer for a little bit, but we've got news as always. We've got some mailbag questions from you guys, including at the end here, um, a draft suggestion from our guy, James Partridge at fun and James 85 to draft the top 10 sports mascots, Taylor. And um, I've done absolutely no preparation for this draft. So it should be wild. (laughs) I have 15 of them prepared. So don't don't you worry. Okay. Well, I'm going to be shooting from the hip. (laughs) I might be making a few reaches in there from time to time uh, in uh, honor of, you know, former chiefs draft picks like Breland speaks and, McCole Hardman, who's taking that ball out at the one-yard line and trying yes. to return it for a touchdown and getting tackled, probably fumbling the ball. Let's be <laughs> honest, but let's get into the news, Taylor. You want to do our drop? <gasps> news, news, <laughs> news, 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 news. So in the wake of the NFL draft, which took place this past weekend, the compensation pick deadline for uh, free agency has passed, which means that teams can now sign veteran free agents that are still out there on the market without having to give, well, they don't give up, but, or, well, yeah, I guess kind of they do because they forego their right to get a compensatory pick for players maybe that they've had signed with other teams. So point being any free agents that were still out there after the draft ended on Sunday or on Saturday, anybody that uh, was still available out on the market, teams could sign them at will without having to worry about losing a comp pick. So the Chiefs have three new players, and here to break them down with me, Taylor, buddy, let's talk about it. Let's do it. Who do you want to talk about first? These guys are all just... Let's let's talk about the former Bronco. Okay, let's talk about the former Bronco. We're speaking, of course, of Will Parks, who actually is probably the most interesting player of these three. Yeah. He's 26 years old, uh, defensive back. He's played cornerback. He's played safety. Former six-round pick of the Denver Broncos. Played out his rookie deal with them four-year rookie deal with before signing a one-year deal last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was cut mid-season and reclaimed by the Broncos. So he returned to Denver, 18 starts in his five-year NFL career, 72 games played, four interceptions. He's played different defensive back positions, got a little versatility there. What do you think about this signing? I, I think the versatility is the key. Um, they've kind of got a mold for their defensive backs as much as they can between Honey Badger and Sneed and and just, you know, guys that can Thornhill, guys that can play both cornerback and safety. And Will Parks fits that mold. He was obviously cheap. This is basically a, a no-risk ad, no-cost ad. So, uh, you know, bring him in, see what he's got. He probably won't end up making many plays for the Chiefs, I would imagine. But um, he he's a warm camp body that makes everybody, you know, it, it'll stretch out the, the room a little bit. So uh, I like him. I like the signing. Buddy, if we're starting with this uh, signing and you're calling this guy a warm camp body, you are not going to like the other two guys that the Chiefs signed. <laughs> They're Will cold Parks, camp bodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Will Parks to me is uh, he's a little bit intriguing. Like you said, I think it's um it's worth noting the versatility I mean, I think the last time I saw him listed, he was listed as a safety. I mean, the Chiefs are like, every year, people are like, man, the Chiefs really need some cornerback help. And Brett Beach and Steve Spagnuolo are like, nah, just give me another safety. Yeah. And, you know, we'll we'll play him at linebacker. You know, we'll play him as coverage linebackers. We'll play him as slot cornerbacks. Whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, just, it's just a spot on the field, you know, like just put somebody right. there. Put an athlete yeah. there. Right. Sure. So that seems to be kind of what they're doing now. Just another guy that can kind of play – 
that slot cornerback position can play a defensive back, whatever that ends up entailing. I, I think he's, he's fine. He, he's 26 years old. He's, you know, started 18 NFL games. He's, he's, he's okay. I mean, yeah. he's uh, if nothing else, he's depth. He's a veteran piece. Now the second guy, had you heard of this guy before? I had not. I had not either, which is rough because he also is a five-year NFL veteran. Kamalai Correa, linebacker. He's 27 years old, 19 NFL starts, including last year, a career-high six for the Jacksonville Jags, which was not the team that he started the year with. He started with the Titans, which was his second team. He was drafted by Baltimore in the second round, so former second-round pick. Mm -hmm. Got to the Titans. They traded him to the Jags. The Jags gave him a career-high six starts in six games, started every game for the Jags, then they cut him loose, which is not fantastic because the Jags are, they were one in 15. They had the number one pick. They just took Trevor Lawrence. They earned that pick. <laughs> so he was cut by the Jags. Now he's on the chiefs. Any thoughts on this guy that you had not heard of before, like yesterday? Yeah. I mean, three teams in five years for a second round pick, like teams are giving up on him quick. You know, they're, That's they're nice. cutting, they're cutting bait before really, um, a lot of players, especially with that draft capital and pedigree, they would get a longer leash. And the fact that he not only didn't survive his first team through his rookie deal, he didn't survive his second team through his rookie deal. So, I mean, ah, uh, well, you know, I'm not really, I don't really think much about Kamala Correa yet. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if anybody in camp, you know, that's the other thing is sometimes these guys that the, the chiefs pick up, you don't really hear much or know much about them. And then camp starts and you'll hear a coach or you'll hear a medium member say sure. like, Oh man, guy that's really flashing that you wouldn't expect, you know, Kamala Correa is, is really showing something. I mean, that's when I would at least start to envision him, you know, making any sort of significant plays for the chiefs. But as of right now, meh. So supposedly I, I did a little bit of reading about him since uh, I had not heard of him before two days ago. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Kamala Korea. Sure. But my understanding is he does have a little bit of a little bit of juice as a pass rusher, maybe a guy that is a little undersized, but can, can turn the corner. Maybe a guy they could potentially work into some linebacker blitz packages possibly. But again, that's a guy that has to make the team. This is a team that, you know, whether you want to call him a defensive end, whether you want to call him a linebacker, this team just drafted linebackers in back-to-back drafts and he's got linebacker after his name you'd imagine that he certainly is facing an uphill battle but we'll see when camp comes you know if nothing else he's a camp body uh cold we're gonna call okay will parks is a warm (laughs) yeah and if that's the standard that we're starting with will parks who has been decent in the nfl he's a warm camp body i'm gonna classify kamala correa as a lukewarm camp body yeah and then we got here at the bottom Signing number three, Chris Fink, wide receiver. He's our cold camp body, 25-year-old former Notre Dame wide receiver. He went undrafted last year, okay? He did not play. He um, he went through a whole C.J. Spiller situation with the 49ers where they signed him as an undrafted free agent, and then they cut him, and then they signed him again, and they cut him again, mm. and then they signed him and cut him one more time. This was all in the span of one season. And then he signed with the Chiefs as a free agent. And about the most noteworthy thing about him is that apparently his nickname is the Slippery Fox. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Which is amazing. But the other noteworthy thing about him, Taylor, is that he must have an awesome agent. Because why is Tom Pelissero tweeting about this guy that we signed? 
It's right. like a 25-year-old former undrafted free agent who has never played a snap in the NFL, and he got a Tom Pelissero tweet, and he called him the Slippery Fox. <laughs> yeah, he must. they must have a history or something because there's just no way a guy with his profile ever, ever, <laughs> ever gets any mention on Twitter at all. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a guy actually that I follow. I think his name's Aaron Wilson for the, uh, for the Texans who does a lot of – he does not have a blue check mark. And he does great work. I think he's a beat writer, um, but he also he reports a lot of these lower level transactions. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's a great follow for that. But this is the kind of thing that would be tweeted out by by Aaron Wilson, you know, of the Houston Dispatch or whatever. Not Tom Pelissero, blue check mark, you know, like one tier below Adam Schefter, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Tom on. breaks like major NFL news and stuff, and he's talking about Chris Fink. I don't get it. <laughs> I, well, you know, he um, supposedly impressed on the pro day circuit, which I did not know was a thing. This actually was kind of interesting to me. So he he was out um, at the pro days for Ian Book, who was drafted by the Saints. Yeah. Uh, apparently uh, another quarterback that isn't really a quarterback in the Taysom Hill mold for the Saints. But he also um, worked out with Trevor, Trevor Lawrence and caught balls from Trevor Lawrence at Trevor Lawrence's pro day, mm-hmm. which I just assumed. I mean, I guess I'm betraying my, you know, my, my noobness with, with respect to pro days. I just assumed that they were throwing to all their, their own teammates that they, at the very least, you know, I mean, I get why, you know, the, the first round picks wouldn't necessarily want to go out and catch balls from Trevor Lawrence. You know, they don't want to have to try hard and they're going to yeah. be doing their own exhibition or whatever, but I assumed that at least like the third or fourth string guys on their own team that have caught passes from Trevor Lawrence before would be, would be working as pro day, but apparently not. So the only reason that I knew they weren't teammates. Now I didn't really know the profile of the guys catching passes, but I remember an excuse being made either by a quarterback or for a quarterback about him, not about him missing some throws on pro days oh. because he wasn't in sync with the guys. Cause he didn't ever throw to him before. And I remember sure. just being like, well, if he doesn't throw to them normally, are these guys that go around to every pro day and just catch balls from whoever's throwing? It's probably Chris Fink. It could have been Chris Fink, absolutely. But I, I don't know if that's like a, you know, if there are guys that when pro day comes around, then they just travel, or if, if Fink kind of had, maybe he knew Booker Lawrence through something and was like, hey, I'll come catch balls with you on pro day, or like, I don't know how that part of it works, but I knew that they weren't teammates just because I want to say it was like, Man, it was someone that had a really like three or four years ago had a really disappointing pro day. Mm, I won't be able to pull it, but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting setup for sure. It's probably somebody that got drafted by the Raiders in the first round, <laughs> so that narrows it down. Sure. Um, another yeah. item of news: Nate Taylor with the Athletic reporting yesterday, I believe it was, that there is still a possibility that the Chiefs will reunite with Bashad Breland for the third year in a row. It's he, the way he characterized it was that it is still possible, but that nothing is imminent. So that's kind of an interesting situation. Obviously the chiefs, as they have existed in a permanent state, since Brett Veach took over as GM, need a cornerback. And Breezy's been on the team the last two years on one-year deals and was almost on the chiefs on a one-year deal the year before that, you know, when he, when he moved in and training camp and then decided to peace out without signing contract. And so, you know, you'd have to imagine he's probably looking for a, a longer term deal, but man, buddy, you're not going to get one. I mean, you know, it, it sucks. He kind of has missed his window to get a big contract. You know, he had that big mega deal from Washington yeah. three years ago. Yep. And then it fell through because of the medicals. He had that, um, that foot injury that he sustained, I think when he was like on vacation and it got infected, they essentially avoided his deal and he had to settle for a one-year deal 
with the Packers. Kind of mid-season with the Packers and yeah. then ended up signing two consecutive one-year deals with the Chiefs. It's um it's a bummer to see a guy that really is a good player and has been a good contributor for the Chiefs not be able to to get that money and you know even if it was with another team potentially net the Chiefs a comp pick not anymore. Right. But but what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean this is a guy that caught an interception in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs. Like he he has played every significant down on defense of basically this whole run and for him to uh you know to still be going without a contract and for it to be potentially if he signs a one-year deal this year it'd be his fourth straight one-year deal like you know you just kind of wonder is does his agent suck maybe like if does he keep yeah, he missing needs chris fink's agent he definitely needs chris fink's agent he needs tom palacero to be tweeting <laughs> that people need to sign Bashad breeland so yeah i don't i don't know i like the guy i think that he's a good piece and if the Chiefs sign him i will be very very happy about it um you know, but if he doesn't end up getting something done, I'm sure the Chiefs will have as much to say about that as he does. So, I mean, if they don't want to bring him back, then, then you know, sayonara. But um, I like the guy. Yeah, I hope he gets a deal somewhere. If it's not with Kansas City, I hope he I hope he gets a two-year deal somewhere. I don't yeah. know if that's realistically going to happen with anybody at this stage of the offseason. Right. I mean, we're kind of now down into you're signing a one-year deal or you're sitting out the year. So, right. But I, I mean, we'll see. It's still early. Obviously it's May. They haven't even gone to OTAs or mini camp yet. Um, we'll see what happens with Bashad Breland, but still on the radar, still possible. Uh, another news item. And this one came from James Palmer. McCole Hardman rumored to be first in line for the wide receiver two role on the 2021 Kansas city chiefs. Brett Beach did mention his presser the other day that they are expecting big things from McCole Hardman in year three. You buying or selling this news <laughs> item Taylor, you know, like many people, or maybe not like as many as I would like to believe, but I've been up and down on, on McCole. I know everyone's been down at some point and currently, but sure. I at least, you know, was, was pretty optimistic for a lot of his early career with the chiefs. Um, I do not think it's surprising at all to hear both that he's first in line as wide receiver two and that Veach says we expect big things. Both of those are givens no matter what the situation is with McColl. I mean, he's, you know, the second round pick that, you know, it's either him or D Rob for wide receiver two right now, or Pringle, or, I mean, you know, you, you, you just say him. Cause that's the, that's yeah, the, he's the answer. highest drafted wide receiver on He's the highest drafted offensive <laughs> piece on this team. Yeah. And the highest drafted wide receiver in the Andy Reed era. And I mean, yeah. And at the same time, what's Brett Veach going to say? Like, nah, we don't really see McCole Harbin working out for us this year. Right. Like, yeah, no, he's going to, he's going to hype him up, but um you know, the dude's got to improve. He's got to take the step forward in year three. Um, I think that it's possible. And if it happens, I'm not going to be like, holy shit, I never saw that coming. But like, I'm not going to put any futures bets on it or anything. You know, I pulled some numbers on this that I would like to share because I, I was curious to kind of see, you know, how many players really break out after two years in the NFL. I'm looking at recent data because obviously wide receivers in the last 10 years or so have come to the league more ready than ever. It's something we talked about before on the pod. And I, yep. I know a lot of people have, have called attention to, you know, with the advent of seven on sevens and just more guys growing up playing wide receiver, it's a passing league. There's a demand for it. And it's obviously a lucrative position to play. You guys are coming in, 
you know, more ready to contribute than they were, you know, in the eighties and nineties and, and early two thousands. So I looked at every wide receiver drafted in the second and third round between 2010 and 2019. So okay. 87 players total. Quite a bit. And of those 87 players, 57 went under 1100 receiving yards combined in their first two seasons. And that includes McCall Hartman McCall over his first two seasons has a combined 1098 yards. So just a shade under 1100 yards. And of those 57 that had under 1100 yards in their first two years in the NFL, again, second and third round picks. So we don't have first rounders in here. 25 of those players are still active. So this is going back to 2010. That's 10 years ago. So 25 of those guys are still active. That's less than half. I'm going to go through some of these names here. So the top, top, top end of these second and third round receivers that didn't really have a monster year or at least a breakout year, you know, under 1100 yards, you're talking 550 yards. Their first two seasons. Sure. On it. Yep. The absolute top end includes Devonte Adams. Who's obviously amazing. One of the mm-hmm. best wide receivers in the NFL, Eric Decker, who had a nice little run in there, uh, golden Tate, and Tyler Boyd, I would characterize those as the the good, and obviously Devontae Adams is great. Mm-hmm. Then you've got kind of a middle tier here that includes guys like Curtis Samuel, Brandon LaFell, Devin Funchess, James Washington, Chris Conley, Andre Roberts, Paul Richardson, Mohamed Sanu. Guys that really slid into a wide receiver three, wide receiver four role and stayed there. Yeah. Just, you know, they... Role players and yeah, role players, third guys, you know, guys that that are dependable and names that you would know and that occasionally will have big games as the third wide receiver on a team. Uh, Curtis Samuel, I threw in there. He actually last year was his career high and he had 800 yards. That was his fourth season. So I, I actually was a little bit surprised that uh, that he wasn't higher on the list. But mm-hmm. that's kind of your next tier of guys. And then this group of 57 gets. Very ugly, like really, really ugly. Uh, includes guys like Dante Pettis, who um, I famously drafted to my dynasty team and immediately shit the bed. And I recently cut him and it felt great. Yeah, felt so good. Doriel Green Beckham, Mm. Cody Latimer. And then we get into a bunch of guys that you just have never even heard of. Amara Darbo. Have you ever heard of him? (laughs) Yes, I have. Really? Yeah, I've heard of Amara Darbo for sure. I I don't believe you. Leonte Carew. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. Uh, what What about Devier Posey? It's Devere Posey. Yes. Devere I've heard of all, Posey. I've heard of all no, three guys for sure. I mean, they were second or third round picks in the last 10 years. So yeah. you probably should have heard of them, but yeah. I didn't. I, none of those names rung a bell to me. Well, I could tell because you said Devier Posey. Yeah, for sure. They're Devier. That's how you should pronounce it. It's D E V I E R. Devier. Devier. Devier Posey. Um, <laughs> It gets gross. It gets gross. Is the yeah, they're all out terrible, of, for sure. Out of those 57 players of the 87 that went under 1,100 receiving yards in the first two seasons uh, in the NFL, they had 10 total 1,000-yard seasons ever in their career. So three mm. by Golden Tate, yeah. three by Eric Decker, two yeah. by Devontae Adams, which seems low, but he's more of a he's touchdown young. guy. And, and also young. one of the years he had 998 yards. So, I mean, you know. Right. It is what it is. And two by Tyler Boyd. Yeah, that's it. It's four guys. It's the four guys that I named at the top. They have all 10 1000 yard seasons from this group of guys. And then <laughs> you look at the guys that went over 1100 yards in their first two seasons. And I get that that's an arbitrary cutoff. And Nicole was two yards underneath it. Right. Sure. You got to cut but it off the, somewhere though. The guys that went 
over 1,100 yards combined in their first two seasons, drafted in the first or, se- or second or third round. There are 30 of those guys out of 87 players okay. drafted. 28 of them are still active. Okay, sure. so only two guys are no longer active. One of them is Justin Blackman, who just washed out because he couldn't stop doing drugs or whatever it yeah. was. He- yeah, that was it. 46 of the 56 1,000 yard seasons from this sample. So the second or third round wide receivers from 2010 to 2019, 46 of the 56 1,000 yard seasons come from this group. Mm -hmm. And this includes just a ton of star players, Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, T Y Hilton, Alshon Jeffrey, DK Metcalf, Allen Robinson, Cortland Sutton, Michael Thomas, Robert Woods, just a bunch of a bunch. Yeah. All the good ones, all the hits. So the guys on the first list that turned in are really good players, uh, Adams, Decker, Tate, and Boyd, they pretty much all broke out in year three. So it's true that McCall Hardman really needs to show something this year. Jamal Adams had 997 and 12 touchdowns. Eric Decker had 1,064 yards and 13 touchdowns. Tyler Boyd, 1028 and seven touchdowns. Golden Tate only had 688 and seven and he really broke out in his fourth year, but he's really the only guy that kind of had a really slow start to his career that ended up being what I would consider to be more than like a wide receiver three. Yeah. So this is it. This is, this is the, the rubber meets the road for McCole Hardman. I, we talked about it on our draft recap. I really like that Corno Powell is on the team. And I think that, you know, having a former fifth year senior, who basically had to bust his ass to get any playing time on Clemson because of yeah. how ridiculously talented Clemson was. I think having that guy in the locker room, and I think having a guy like Byron Pringle in the locker room, you know, a former undrafted free agent who has had to scratch and claw for everything on the, that he's ever gotten on the team. I mean, even Tyree kill a guy who was drafted as a fifth round pick who had all kinds of character concerns. You know, like being around these guys should motivate McCall Hartman, right? Because yeah. these guys, they were not, none of them were second round picks. None of them had the draft capital invested in them that McCole Hardman had. And they've all accomplished more than McCole Hardman. I mean, maybe not Pringle. I guess Pringle hasn't, but, and Cornell Powell is a rookie, but still. There's certainly I mean, good like, influences on him for sure. Yeah, and, it should be. Um, I, I do think it's worth noting, just because I thought it was hilarious, that Cornell Powell is wearing number 14. Same yeah. number that former Clemson wide receiver Sammy Watkins wore with the Chiefs. Um, and, you know, Sammy is kind of the opposite mold of, of those guys. He was, yeah. the, he was the high draft pick that never really did much. That kind of is like the, the horror story for what McCole Hardman could turn into. Like, I mean, Sammy's a, a fine and good player, whatever, but he certainly didn't live up to the billing of being the first wide receiver off the board. And one of the top, you know, a top five pick in the draft and, right. and McCole, yeah, he had some, um, you know, he came into a different situation on offense where he wasn't the guy and maybe target share has a lot to do with some of this production because maybe some of these guys that were drafted in the second, third round as a wide receiver immediately got onto a team and became the guy and they had to throw him a ball a ton. And McColl obviously just never really, not only did he not get a ton of targets, but he never really did much with those targets. Well, and that's, 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 I think the point is that, you know, McColl has had opportunities to get more targets. Yeah. Like we've seen get open. Sam, Sammy Watkins has been out virtually the entire time that yeah. Hartman's been playing in the NFL. Yeah. Tyreek Hill got injured in his rookie year. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot. I mean, Tyreek Hill got hurt in week one of McColl's rookie year. Right. So it, it's a tall order to expect him to immediately come in and, you know, take over, you know, 10 targets a game or whatever it is. But I mean, 
he's had the opportunities last year and he, at the end of you know the 2019 season he's had some opportunities to be able to demand more targets and he just has not his production has not demanded that so yep, yep i think that's fair i don't know we'll see i will say mccall does have home run capability he and does. and regardless of all the other stuff that you know, he struggles with, he scored 10 receiving touchdowns. And um, I know he had the one kickoff return against the chargers. I think maybe that was his only special teams touchdown, but either way. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's got the capability of breaking a play and you know, that the, as long as he has that, the chiefs are going to keep giving him opportunities and this year is going to be no different. Hopefully not on special teams though. Hopefully not on special teams because the guy is just a bonehead on special teams. I can't believe <laughs> it. I can't believe how dumb of decisions he makes. He returns all the balls he shouldn't and he doesn't return any of the balls he should. Uh, it's terrible. Let's talk about something else. That's definitely not going to be nearly as triggering as McCall Hardman. And sure. that of course is Aaron Rodgers. Oh no. Rodgers! Rodgers! So we talked about Aaron Rodgers and his whole saga on our draft recap show, but there have been some developments. Yeah. Did you catch the news about Adam Schefter today? Yes, I did. That he was he was sitting on this story since draft or before draft day, since the end of the season, and he decided that draft day was the day to drop it. Yeah. Well, so he, he was on with Dan Patrick today and he he kind of he's getting roasted in his replies by the way i don't know if you've you've watched any of the replies to his tweet yeah. since this came out yes but he was asked about this story and he and specifically his sources because everybody was saying like oh rogers must have you know did this to Schefter on draft day so that it would come out and everybody yeah. would know like it would dominate the headlines we all blamed aaron Rodgers. For we this. did we literally said that on this show it's got to be about him and we blah, did blah, blah. that yeah. it's got to be about him it turns out it was <laughs> not it was not and in fact adam schefter vehemently denied that it was anything coming from aaron Rodgers or the packers for that matter he basically was just like oh yeah i've been hearing whispers about this for months and not a week has gone by since the nfc championship game where they lost, where I haven't like heard at least one whisper where it's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is kind of pissed off. So Schefter has been sitting on this, you know, like Aaron Rodgers is very unhappy and doesn't really want to be back for like months. And then he just decided the afternoon of the draft that he was, that was the the time he was going to drop this story. And Dan Patrick, like he was a little, he was a little soft on him. Yeah. Like he, he did ask him directly. He's like, so you just decided to report this <laughs> on draft day. And he was like, I absolutely did. And then he kind of just didn't really follow up on that. Oh, He's just kind of like, he kind of let him off the hook. But regardless, um, by the way, Katie Camlin would never. The two never. <laughs> never. Never. He breaks never. that news immediately. Yeah, that's right. She doesn't hold on to it. She's not sitting on a story. And so I, I we, go ahead. I just, I, I marvel at the power that Adam Schefter has. Oh my God. That's over the NFL universe. I mean, he can, if he says something, it is rote. It is law. It is, it is, you know, the, he's never wrong. He's, he's just always is the guy. And I mean, obviously we rap sheet gets a ton of love too. Um, but it's all about Schefter. And I just think that this type of story just kind of is a little peek behind the curtain that like Schefter's very aware of that. And he's very conscious that like, if I want to make today about one of my reports, all I got to do is drop it and everyone's going to freak out. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. It did make me see Adam Schefter in a little bit yeah. of a different light because yeah, I was like, are you like the little <laughs> finger of the NFL? Yeah. Like you're actually, you're actually like That's orchestrating great. all of this. You're masterminding it. It just, it was, it was very interesting, but 
before we get into the particulars of Aaron Rodgers, because I want to put something on the record that we can go back and, you know, people can roast us about later if he does get traded to the Broncos. Before we get into that, I just like, surely if he's hearing whispers about Rodgers every week from the NFC Championship game to draft day when he decides, I'm going to report this Mm -hmm. and set Twitter on fire Mm -hmm. and fuck all these first round draft picks, nobody's going to care about them because we want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't that mean all the other teams have to know about it too? Like the the people whispering this into the universe are not just whispering it to Adam Schefter, right? Like right. there was a report today or yesterday that Aaron Rodgers was like actively discouraging free agents, potential free agents from coming to Green Bay and telling them like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be here. You know, like the Magic Don- Johnson clip, like I'm not going to be here. Nice. Yes. Nice. So, I mean, if it seems like this is kind of an open secret. And then Schefter was just the one that was like, mm, I'm going to turn this into a report and I'm going to drop it the afternoon of the first Man. round of the draft. If everybody knew that this was going on, doesn't that mean that he's not getting traded? Right? Like, cause they, they could have made a move before draft day. Like the, the way that this was framed on draft day was like, Whoa, this is such a shock. And in yeah. fact, the 49ers came out, and basically affirmed that story in that they were like, well, once we heard that he might be available, we had to pursue him. Yeah. But like, surely they already knew it. Right. Like I'm, I'm wondering if that story maybe got twisted a little bit, like clearly Denver is a team that as soon as the Packers drafted Jordan love last year, Mm -hmm. the Broncos should have been calling about Aaron Rodgers because they obviously have had no intention of drafting quarterback ever. (laughs) No. Or you developing know, or signing or, or doing developing anything one, yeah, they, positive waiting, with a quarterback. Just waiting for Hall of Fame quarterbacks to fall into their laps. That's their recipe for success. God. Yeah, Those you know, I, I see what you mean about about if Schefter knows, what does that mean as far as what the rest of the teams know? Yeah, and, who else knows? And I do think that there are probably, this. this is pure speculation, but I do think that there are probably some more connected teams than others. Like, I think there are some teams that might be like, you know, I I can consider the general manager club to be a little bit of a boys club. And, and if, you know, if McVeigh hears something and he wants to call Zach Taylor up about it or whatever, because they're buddies like that, that makes sense. But I mean, no one's calling John Gruden and Mike Mayock about stuff, (laughs) you know, and I, and so I think that there are kind of pods of information and it's based on the relationships and it's based on, you know, if Nagy and Peterson or whoever hears something, they're probably calling Andy up or they're probably talking about it. I would think. Maybe, oh, I'm sure. You know, That's I mean, a great that, point. and so it's something like this where if, if Rogers people are talking or whatever, like I'm sure the people that are most closely tied to anyone that is privy of that information probably knew about it, but no, I don't think, maybe necessarily every team in the NFL knew about it. Um, and also new GMs like Denver's um, might not necessarily have all the hookups and all the relationships to, sure. kinda, you know, pull some information out of some other teams that some of the guys that have been around for a while have. So it's a very, I've, I've thought about like the inside, like inside baseball version of, of NFL GMs and like <laughs> what, how they execute trades and how they talk to each other and and you know i i remember some story about like they text gifts to each other all the time yep. and like like they will send a, a confirmation for a trade as like a thumbs up gif or whatever and like you know i i would just die to know what brett veach does all day 
how he caught, how he talks to people, what software he uses on his computer, how he, it's just all so fascinating to me. Yeah, it, it is. And it's going to be fascinating to see how the saga plays out, but I want to talk about the realisticness, the, that's Oof. a good word, whatever. Yeah. whatever. It's fine. We're, we're going to just move past it. Sure. The, the reality, the uh, probability that Aaron Rodgers will get traded, which I would say is low. And you pulled some contract information here. I mean, that's that's barrier number one. Maybe break that down for us if you can. Uh, sure. Yeah. So this is um, just the spot rack Rogers breakdown of his remaining deal. Um, currently on his 2021 deal, he's got he's base salary of 14 million and he's got a six million dollar roster bonus and $11 million signing bonus. And basically it it comes out to a thirty seven million dollar cap hit and thirty eight million in dead money. So there is an out, but the out in this, the potential out that's the easy one is after, after 2021 in 2022, they've got a contract out that's 17 million dead cap. And I, I just, I think he's got two $25 million base salaries in 2022 and 23, but those are kind of, if, if the marriage continues with green Bay, I believe, I think this looks like to me that it would be pretty costly to so the post june 1st trade if the packers trade him in coming up in less than a month after june 1st he's got 21 million in dead cap in 2021 and 17 million more dead cap in 2022 so that's a lot that's a shitload and and yeah i mean he's aaron Rodgers, and you would expect these numbers to be big but like if a team is taking this on they're gonna have to compensate green bay pretty heavily like this is a this is a big 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 trade to try and swing and it's not just going to be a first rounder and Von Miller or something like you know like all these Denver fans that are like oh we could totally swing this and still like you're gonna have to give up everything you have for this guy and I just don't know I don't know if even that if Green Bay would look at that trade and be like yeah sure that's worth it I don't know it doesn't seem worth it to me it doesn't and the thing is I mean, like you said, a post-June 1st trade, 21 million in dead cap this year, 17 million in dead cap next year. I mean, that hurts your ability to contend for the next two years. Yeah. And aside from the quarterback, I mean, in the same way that Denver adding Aaron Rodgers instantly makes them a contender, Green Bay losing Aaron Rodgers instantly makes them not a contender. Yes. Like that, that, that roster is built to contend with Aaron Rodgers, and it's not built to contend with Jordan love. Like they just don't have the infrastructure around him in place. I think unless Jordan loves Patrick Mahomes, unless Jordan loves Patrick Mahomes, which I think it's pretty probably obvious not. that he's not, but yeah. I don't know. He could be, but he's he probably isn't. So, you know, another barrier to him being traded this year, post June 1st is that teams can't give up any draft picks from this year's draft. It's already happened. So yep they'd have to be giving up future first round picks. And one of the things that I, I don't feel like we, I don't feel like we talk about enough when you're trading future first round picks is that we don't know what those picks are, right? Yeah, like the, the value difference pick, between one and 32 is insane. It's, it's, it's enormous. And so if the Broncos, let's say had wanted to make a move prior to the draft, which yep. they may or may not have been, I mean, you know, Mark Schler said that it was as close to being a done deal as it, it could be without being done. So, Yikes. you know, I, I mean, is it done it yet? Was, <laughs> it's not, it's not done yet. Hmm. 
we're going to enjoy dunking on this until he actually does get traded to the Broncos. And, and we're going to delete gonna, every episode we've ever recorded. I'm going to have to delete a lot of tweets <laughs> too. So um, it's fine though. So, you know, I mean, if the Broncos offer their next three first round picks, they're not going to be offering. This is the number nine pick. You know who the players in the draft are going to be. You know where you're drafting. The pick is, yep. is number nine. It's the ninth yep. pick in the draft. It's going to be a first round pick in 2022. Could be one, could be 32. It's going to be a first round pick in 2023. Could be anywhere from one to 32. You know, that is not really helpful because no. you are also trading Aaron Rodgers. That's the <laughs> other, that's the other part of it, right? Like, yeah, you're the giving Broncos the team Aaron had... Rodgers and saying, I'm going to take yeah. your first round pick. It'll probably be late twenties at right. work. I mean, right. And that's the thing. Like if they had traded before the draft, they get to give them the pick that they got by not having Aaron Rodgers yeah. and losing a bunch of games and getting the ninth overall pick because they didn't have Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. Like that was a chip that they have already spent on a cornerback and green Bay also drafted a first round cornerback. So I don't know. It seems pretty unlikely. It's got to have to be young talent, not yeah. picks. It's right. got to have to be Judy and Sertan and Chubb. I mean, you know, they're going to have to put in a bunch of guys that are young that the Packers know are already really good and it's going to devastate their roster. Yes. So let's briefly talk about potential partners. We've obviously already started talking about the Broncos. This team is a high fit in a lot of ways. We've talked about, you know, they're the, the only roster in the NFL that is constructed in this way, which is it's a good roster pretty much everywhere except quarterback. And their quarterback is like bottom five in the NFL, the quarterback position. They have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, like their quarterback room is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's literally it, when you factor in that other teams that have bad quarterbacks just drafted quarterbacks, <laughs> it's like the bears. It's, yeah. It's literally the worst. It's the worst quarterback situation in the NFL bar none. Like even, yeah. even Sam Darnold in Carolina who traded Teddy Bridgewater away. Like that's still a better, I think that's still a better QB room than drew lock and Teddy Bridgewater, because at least, you know, I mean, he's on, a fifth year option next year. You don't have a lot invested in him less than the Broncos now have invested in Teddy Bridgewater. I I don't know. Well, hell Darnold's a better quarterback than both of them are. I agree. I I mean, it's, I think, I think that will be demonstrated now that he has Matt rule instead of Adam Gase. Yeah. And a ton of new weapons. He's got CMC and he's got, uh, yeah, yeah, he's going to talk to me. Yeah, right. An owner of Sam Darnold in two dynasty leagues. (laughs) That's right. Very jazzed about this. Yeah. And I mean, I just think that the, the Bronco, I think it's, devastating that they're the worst quarterback situation in the NFL and they didn't draft a quarterback. Like how did they let that happen? I don't know. You know, one point that's been made too, is that if the Broncos were going to draft a player with the intention of ultimately trading them to green Bay, shouldn't they have drafted a quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. Because green Bay doesn't want drew lock guys. I don't know if you know that. Right. And they probably don't want Jordan love because they're supposedly trying to re-sign Aaron Rodgers. Like, Right. Uh, it's just as a, a total bungling on every level, but like the Broncos aren't even doing the trade aspect of a quarterback, right? Like, yeah. Quarterbacks are worth more than everybody else. If a really good quarterback it, in many drafts, you cannot get a very valuable quarterback asset with the eighth pick or the ninth pick in the draft. Right. In many drafts, you cannot in this last draft that was available for the Broncos. And they said, no, we will take a cornerback instead a very good cornerback, possibly, sure. but not a quarterback, a quarterback. Yeah, who cares? Good luck trying to flip that around. Now, the other potential partner in the AFC West who Aaron Rodgers has been linked to and has supposedly said that he is, quote, intrigued by is the Las Vegas Raiders. And this team, I don't even understand how how they could get Aaron Rodgers 
because unlike the Broncos, they have no young potential star players to trade. No. Like, no. I, I'm just going to quiz you here, and there's no right answer. Sure. Who's the best player for the Raiders right now who's currently on a rookie deal? Henry Ruggs is my is it? answer. Okay. I, I mean, he's not good, but he's could be. probably could their be. best player on a rookie deal. Probably. It could be. It, Josh it's Jacobs, probably, maybe. It's probably Josh Jacobs, yeah. but he's a running back, so who cares? Yeah, like, right. you don't you don't want to pay that guy a second contract. You don't want to pay a running back. And is he good? They just paid Kenyon Drake $15 million. Right for two seasons to come be his backup. I, I don't know. It's the real answer is that their roster sucks. That's yes, the real answer. You're correct. It's bad. And again, as we just talked about with the Broncos, because they can't trade fixed asset picks that we know where it's going to be in the draft. It's going to be one or it's well, going to be 32. You know where the Raiders <laughs> are going to draft. That's true. They're going to draft <laughs> in the, the top half of the first round, probably yeah. even with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But because they don't have fixed assets to trade, you know, you'd think Green Bay would want to get some young players back in return who we know who they are, but the Raiders don't have any of those to trade. So no, like not for Rogers, they have young players to trade for worse players than Rogers. Sure. Yeah, no, they're, they couldn't, they basically, I don't think they have the draft capital to swing it. Um, I don't know why he's intrigued by them. I don't understand. I, I don't, I don't know if maybe he's intrigued by the prospect of living in Vegas by like, things other than the roster like i'm intrigued by playing against patrick mahomes twice a year or whatever and and you know they're the silver and black is is a old franchise and stuff and i mean i get there are probably some weird closer it's closer to jeopardy you know (laughs) yeah it's closer to he can film he can film jeopardy during his practices and stuff yeah i mean it's just uh it the fit is weird there to me it is weird Let's talk about briefly uh, free agency here. That was okay. fun to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. We'll delete this episode if he actually gets traded to the Broncos. I don't see it. There's a lot of barriers. But wave to a free agency, who the Chiefs should target. And we're just going to go through a list of names here real quick. You give me a yes or no. These are some guys that are left on the market. You say, yeah, bring them in. Nah, don't bring them in. Justin Houston. Yeah, I, I think that um, his locker room fits something that the Chiefs already know about, and he clearly still has some buddies on the team, and and I think he's got a little bit of juice left. I mean, the Colts didn't bring him back, so maybe he doesn't, but I like him. I, I think it'd be exciting, at least. Maybe that's my nostalgia, but I think it'd be fun. The Colts also drafted an edge rusher in the first round despite needing a left tackle, so, you know, who knows? Yeah. They, they might just not be in need of his services anymore. I'm also a yes for him. Melvin Ingram, another edge rusher. Hell yes. Yes. Sign me up for him as well. Uh, Olivier Vernon, another edge. Uh, I mean, and obviously these yeses would be don't sign Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram and Olivier Vernon. (laughs) But why not though? (laughs) Uh, But if they, if they don't bring in one of those guys and Vernon takes a visit or whatever, I mean, yeah, I think he would be a fine piece to add. I would say like, like lukewarm. Yes. I'm a hard yes on Olivier Vernon, and here's why. He uh, has played with Steve Spagnuolo before, so he would be an easy fit into the scheme. Played with him in New York uh, yep. just a few years ago, and he had nine sacks last year in 14 games before he got hurt. I mean, like, he's he's now 30, and he's going to be 31 in October, and he came off a late season, I think it was an ACL injury. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that's a significant injury. He, I think, tore it in week 15, uh, game 14, and was out for the playoffs. But, you know, even if he's a guy that 
you sign for nothing and he comes in, you know, mid October for the chiefs, him knowing Steve Spagnuolo's system, that's less of a barrier for him to be able to come in, you know, on a new team and contribute right away. And uh, he definitely had some juice. I mean, nine sacks last year. Sure. Now, granted, he was rushing opposite Miles Garrett, and right. you just don't have anyone like Miles Garrett on their team. But uh, I think he would do. be, yeah, right. I think he would be an interesting fit. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey. I'm gonna say no, and okay. I'm I'm team wide receiver mostly. And if they bring in any wide receiver I've ever heard of before, I'll probably tweet about it and be, and be <laughs> sure. jacked up. But I I've never liked Alshon. I've never at least been comfortable with you know, trusting him. And, and that includes most of my time playing fantasy football. And I just, yeah, I don't think guy's very good. Okay. I'm a big yes on Alshon Jeffrey. And it's okay. not just because I do own him in our dynasty. Yeah, league. of course. I'm hanging on until yeah. the last minute before the draft. I'll drop him if he's still not signed with the team, but right. you know, he played for Doug Peterson in Philly. So again, a guy that you would think would know the offense already. And a guy that I think, and I'm not just saying this because he, like Sammy Watkins, is always injured. Right. But a guy that could swoop in and fill the Sammy Watkins spot, right? Oh, he could fill the Sammy Watkins spot. That's for damn sure. And on the IR, right? Like, uh, but but no, I mean, I'm talking about a a little bit of a bigger guy, a a guy that fits more of the X receiver mold, which Cornell Powell does too, but I mean, he's a fifth round rookie wide receiver, right? I mean, Byron Pringle does too, but he's a... 27 year old former undrafted free agent like Alshon Jeffrey I don't know if he has any juice left y'all have already given me your opinions on Twitter most of you hate this idea I'm all for it bring him in see if he's got anything left he could be interesting I'll tell you why I hate the Alshon Jeffrey idea mostly and that's because that means that the Chiefs will have given up on trading for Julio Jones ah okay I got it you are on team Julio of course big time Golden Tate um nah Nah, yeah, he's I'm, he's I'm on the older sure. side, and his skill set is speed. And when you're an old speed receiver, that's going to go downhill in a hurry if it hasn't already. He obviously, even when he got back from his injuries with the Giants last year, didn't get on the field very much, and their wide receiver room wasn't exactly deep. So, I mean, nah, I, I don't. I, I think that signing just. I don't think he would ever see the field. I don't think he would have the impact that um, he would be worth. Yeah, I'm a no on him as well. Partly because he's he's more of a slot guy and. The Chiefs already have like four slot receivers and like no outside receivers. So I'm out yeah, on a him. 34 year old slot receiver. Like, meh, we could do better than that. We could do better than that. We could bring in Larry Fitzgerald. We could have like a 37 year old slot receiver. <laughs> nice. We could do better. That's a good point. Richard Sherman. Yes. Yes. I think his presence in the defensive locker room would be good. Um, I do think he still has some skill left. I think that the cornerback room is a need for the Chiefs. Um, the fits are there. I, I like him a lot. I am also yes on him and the last name on the list, which you added, Kenny Stills. I also added Richard Sherman. Well, you uh, did. I know. I know you did. Yes. But that, uh, was, a, that was a reasonable name. <laughs> I, I would consider Kenny Stills to be a preposterous name. Kenny Stills, defend. Yeah, I mean, no, no. It was a no. Okay, I you just, put him uh, on the list so that yeah, we can shoot him down. It's got a question mark next to him. I like uh, I like to talk about wide receivers because they're one of the positions that I know the most. But uh, nah, Kenny Stills sucks. <laughs> sorry kenny stills i hope you weren't listening to this podcast <laughs> i hope he was you know, it, it is what it is i'm sorry man you had it but you no longer have it yeah. let's get into the mailbag taylor and we're going to start off with a question from our man corio for the Ka-ka! artist Keith. Ka-ka! question for the pod if raider clown is right haha 
he's talking about Raider Cody guys that the Raiders win the Super Bowl this season. How many things would have to go right for them? And how many things would have to go wrong for the rest of the league? (laughs) I mean, I'll, I'll start with this one. I think that the second part of this question is more important, which is what would have to go wrong for the rest of the league? Yeah. And I think what would have to go wrong for the rest of the league is like a, a world changing global catastrophe uh, worse than COVID because yeah, they right. they had COVID last year and they still couldn't get it done <laughs> and they still couldn't win the Super Bowl partly because they were one of the teams that struggled the most with containing COVID they right. had to play the Buccaneers without an offensive line and we all know how that goes right wah, wah, wah. but I think it's more about the things that would have to go wrong for the rest of the league right like entire teams would have to be wiped off the face of the earth for this well, to become a reality. And we would start with two teams. Obviously, no matter what else happens, the Chargers and the Chiefs would need to get completely devastated. They would have to have like, you know, Mahomes and Herbert would have to get arrested for trying to rob a bank or something and completely knocked out for the whole year. And then that would allow the the Raiders to defeat the Cow- or the the Broncos who are terrible and then sneak into the playoffs and then all of their playoff opponents would have to basically forfeit the games before they play. I think that's going to have to happen. Let's say on top of that, they also get Aaron Rodgers. Sure. That could happen. Yeah. That's, that's how it would have to go down. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. We appreciate that. I shot him down on the discord. He asked this question and I just said pass because I, uh, I didn't really want to entertain um, talking about the Raiders winning the Super Bowl, but obviously it's completely preposterous. Our next one's from our guy, Casey sort Rican. And he said the Chiefs have eight new offensive linemen in 2021 that didn't play in 2020 between the draft, free agency, and the opt-outs. Mike Remmers could be the only offensive lineman to make it from 2020. That being said, if Mitch Schwartz or Eric Fisher were healthy and would take a low-end one-year deal, do you think the Chiefs would cut Remmers and bring back one of those guys to be your swing backup tackle? And then this follow-up question to that was, are any of the guys we will have to cut tradable for low-end draft picks in 2022? Yeah, I mean, I think to answer the second question first, are any of the guys that we would have to cut tradable for low-end draft picks? Yeah, I would say yeah. I think this is actually one of the areas that Brett Beach has demonstrated a real flair. And he's demonstrated uh, value. He has demonstrated value. He's demonstrated value big time. The pick that I'm thinking of specifically is when he traded Parker Erringer for Traveris Ward. Of course. Who was a, I think a, an undrafted free agent. He was either an undrafted free agent or a sixth or seventh round pick with yeah. the Cowboys. And we did not need Parker Erringer. And Beach said, Hey, why don't you give me this cornerback at the end of your roster for this spare offensive lineman that I have. And Traveris Ward, I mean, he's not a world beater, but he's been a very important piece of the team. I mean, he's been yeah. a, a starting cornerback in the NFL for the last three years. Yep. And I mean, man, I don't know what magic pixie dust, you know, he sprinkles on the telephone when he's calling these teams. But like, I think that, I mean, number one, offensive line is obviously a premium position where you can get value back from guys. And it's a, a position where, you know, injuries do happen and it's really hard to just kind of replace as we saw last year when the yes. chiefs lost all of their offensive line depth, you can't just pick guys up off the street to fill holes on the offensive line. We nope. tried to do it last year and we saw what happened in the super bowl, you know, with Remmers with Steven Wisnowski again, you know, coming in as a street free agent, it just doesn't work. And so, you know, if a team has a major offensive line injury in training camp, which will almost certainly happen, 
I think there's absolutely an opportunity for the Chiefs to swoop in and, and give away some of these linemen for, for some picks. I completely agree. And I think that when you look at the the experience that the bottom of the line has had, and by bottom, yes. I mean bottom of the roster. I mean, Wiley and Allegretti are guys that are not going to crack the top 10 on this team. And Correct. they obviously played a huge part in what the Chiefs have done on offense for the last couple of years. And, you know, Martinez Rankin, Yasir Durant, guys that – at least have a little bit of, of intrigue to them, a little bit of juice. You know, they're not world beaters, but they're definitely intriguing names. They're guys that are looking for a roster spot on the Chiefs. I mean, this line, this this depth is insane to me. And what's insane about it is that the Chiefs managed to assemble this again in two months. Like, they, yeah, they, right. they went out essentially post-free agency, too, because they really struck out, aside from Joe Tooney, who they signed in the first couple of days. I mean, they struck out on Trent Williams – they didn't really have the opportunity to sign a lot of guys in free agency. Right. And they still managed to produce just this monstrous offensive line, you know, this position group that's really hard to accumulate talent in and they did it and they're going to have a surplus and there are going to be other teams that are in need of the chief surplus. Just in case anyone's thinking about who all's in this line, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read all 15 names because yeah. it's so impressive to me. Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Kyle Long, Mike Rimmers, Lucas Niang, Austin Blythe, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Trey Smith, Yasir Durant, Martinez Rankin, Nick Allegretti, Andrew Wiley, Daryl Williams, and my guy, Prince Tiga Winogo. <laughs> it's incredible. Prince Tiga Winogo. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe he'll be worth a late-round flyer. You know, I um, I don't think Martinez Rankin is going to crack the thing, but I wanted to mention his name as well because that is a guy that we got for Carlos Hyde. Yes, you know, a couple of weeks before the season started. And, That's right. you know, he struggled with injuries. He hasn't really been able to crack the starting lineup, but that was a guy that was a former third round pick that the Texans bailed on for Carlos Hyde. I mean, like these are the trades that I'm talking about. It, it seems like Veach in camp, you know, the three or four weeks before the season, it seems like every year he's made a trade that just has huge plus EV for the Chiefs whether it ends up panning out that way or not, just the expected value of these, these late, uh, these late training camp trades, I beach has done really well. So let's hit sort of Rican's question about Remmers. He said, yeah. could, could if Schwartz or Fisher were going to kind of come back as a swing tackle, would the chiefs cut Remmers? I think talking about that line depth that we just talked about, I think there are easier cuts than Mike Remmers. Would you agree with that? Yes, I think there are easier cuts, and I think the Chiefs also value Rembrandt's versatility, yep. which is valuable as depth. It's not valuable when you have to start him at left tackle in the biggest game of the season, yeah. pass rush in the NFL. No then, then that value is not quite as apparent. But right, right. the ability to fill in for a week or two at any position, pretty much on the offensive line. I don't know if he can play center, but he certainly can play either guard spot or either tackle spot in a pinch. Um, and also, I don't think Eric Fisher is going to be back. I've, I've sort of resign myself to the fact that he's probably going to sign with the Colts. He's visiting yep. there this week. Yep. They have a huge left tackle need. And obviously there are a lot of Kansas city connections in Indianapolis. I would expect him to sign there. Mitchell Schwartz is the one that I've been saying for a while. I think if he plays in 2021, it will be for the chiefs. I would be shocked if he decided he wanted to play and wanted to play somewhere other than Kansas city, but we will see. Thank you for the question, Casey Sordorican. We've got one from another one of our Birds of War, Peter Yadrich at Peter Y Golf. Question for the pod. Given how quickly and aggressively Brett Veach attacks problems, both real and perceived, 
and his propensity to really latch on to that which he likes. <laughs> what kind of a wild ride do you think it would be to date him? I'll hang up and listen. So I was thinking about this and the best way that I can answer this question is in the form of a movie character. And that movie character is Tom Cruise's character from Top Gun Maverick. Okay. There's one line in particular that I was thinking of when I was envisioning what it would be like to date Brett Beach. <laughs> and it's when Tom Cruise is, you know, hitting on Kelly McGillis, his instructor at Top Gun, a civilian. Okay. Forbidden fruit. <laughs> and he uh, has that Tom Cruise smirk on his face, and he says, yeah, I guess when I see something I want, I just go right after it. (laughs) And that, Taylor, is Brett Veach in a nutshell. (laughs) When he sees something he wants, he goes right after it, and he does not stop until he has attained it. And I think to date Brett Veach would be very similar to the experience of dating Maverick in Top Gun. He's going to come over in the middle of the night, you're going to think he wants to, you know, get busy. And then he's going to be like, actually, can I just use your shower? You're like, is that an invitation to have sex? And he's like, no, I, I smell like shit. Now I'm going to ride off on my motorcycle, but then I got to come back later and we're going to have a very passionate love scene. I just, that's, that's how I picture Brett Veach as a, as a dater. Brett Veach is buzzing girls towers all day long. <laughs> he is. is. He's buzzing other teams, GMs. He's buzzing <laughs> the women. It's uh, it's perfect. I love it. That is perfect. Peter, we appreciate you as always. Um, you did also ask me another question, but I am going to save that for um, a special episode in the future, just in case you're waiting for me to answer that one. So with that being said, that's the end of the mailbag. I believe, Austin, it's time to get into our draft. It is. And I've pulled up a list of best sports mascots, which I will be drafting from. I know you are prepared, but I've I've got some good ones here. Of course. This, uh, this list is good. I can riff on these. I believe you have the first pick. Yeah, I do. Because in the narratives, you picked first and then I went too. Yes, that's right. So, <laughs> number one, there are a lot of really, really good uh, guys I consider here, but I think I have to stick with the show theme and I have to go with the Philly fanatic and oh, perfect. He's awesome. He's a giant green grimace monster. Basically. Um, he has one of the most amazing cameos, if you would call it that in it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but they couldn't use the name Philly fanatic. So they had to call him the Philly frenatic. It was, it's very funny. And I just, he makes me laugh every time I see him. He's just this big old goofy fat green guy. He's great. Yeah, that was an obvious number one pick. The fanatic is the stuff of legend. Uh, but that leaves me yeah. at number two with another Philly sports mascot, equally legendary and really a legend in modern times. And that's Gritty. Yes. Gritty is my pick at number two. Gritty burst on the scene, already a legend, just a few years ago, just conceived out of the minds of whatever depraved lunatics <laughs> on that hockey team. Yeah. And man, I mean, he just embodies the spirit of Philadelphia in the same way that the fanatic does, but you know, the fanatic's been around for a long time. It was tough for gritty to burst on the scene. Philadelphia, as you know, brutal fans, yep. passionate fans, they'll hammer you. They'll hammer you all the time. And gritty <laughs> really captured the love 
in the imaginations of an entire fan base in a very short period of time and really uh, became a national phenomenon. So Gritty is my pick at number two. And my pick at number three, the hometown hero, Casey Wolf. Nice. Listen, I don't know why our mascot is a wolf. I don't know if you've seen, I'm sure you've seen that bit that Frank Caliendo did of, um, of Madden doing the uh, the touchdown the touchdown run in Tennessee. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. There's about that wolf again. Yeah. Right, why is the right. mascot a wolf? I don't know why our mascot is a wolf. And he looks I, like a mouse. <laughs> yeah, and he does look like a mouse. I'm glad that it is a wolf and not you know something more problematic given the uh, the name of our team. Yeah. And the background there, like we lucked out that we picked a wolf. That seems pretty innocuous. But listen, Casey Wolf is a legend. I will never forget the time that he. He tackled a heckler, you know, a streaker. He's done that he's, multiple times. He's, he's just he's, he's kind of known awesome. for getting involved on on the field stuff. He's great. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, he's great. Personality-wise, A plus plus. I don't know about, you know, his appearance, his history, but man, uh, that's um, a guy you want. That's a guy you want in the trenches. Did you know that he's been played by the same person under the Dan Mears has been the Casey Wolf since his inception for 30 years? That's and crazy. and he got into like a an accident on the field and got like was hospitalized in November of 2013. And there was like some question of whether Mears was going to be able to keep being the Casey Wolf. And he ended up being fine and starting the 2014 season off. But um, he's a legend. He's he's great. I, I love Casey Wolf. Incredible. So, yes. So I am going to go with a mascot that has transcended sports, that has been the mascot for one city, but for two sports and has been kicked out of a game before. And of course I am talking about Montreal, both Canadians and Expos mascot, Yuppie, Y-O-U-P-I-E, <laughs> which is French for Yippie. And Yuppie is amazing. So he's, he's kind of, he's kind of in the mold of Philly fanatic. And there are a lot of these types of mascots that are kind of big blobs, big, like yeah, amorphous right, sure. blobs. that look like Grimace from uh, yeah, the McDonald's, but it, life it, forms. Yeah, exactly. So UP was, it was arguing with, I believe it was the Dodgers at when the Expos, when he was with the Expos and literally an umpire turned to him and ejected UP from a game. And I've seen this YouTube clip. It's amazing. And then when the Expos folded, he just popped over to the Canadians and is just like, well, <laughs> you guys need a mascot. Uh, <laughs> I'm unemployed. So the Canadians signed him off the street and UP has been the Canadians mascot ever since. I love the guy. He's awesome. Guys go watch UP videos. If you don't know who I'm talking about, quite an underdog story, just quite, you know, he gets, he gets kicked out. The team, folds and he just you know he lands on his feet you he lands that's exactly right um for the next one i am going to go with the uh he's kind of I, I don't know if it's necessarily a plain mascot but he's very recognizable so i like the ones that if my mom saw the mascot she'd be like oh i know that guy that's and in this case it would be mr met and mr met sure is is kind of just a baseball he's a he's a person personified baseball and he's got that iconic smile and he's just a really i love that the mascot for a baseball team is a baseball i just find that very meta and very and for the mets meta makes sense uh but <laughs> he's just uh i love mr met i think he's very recognizable and i think he's a he's a good representation of a mascot those are both good picks thank you but you've left some good ones on the board for I me. I have. There are lots of great mascots. I'm going to go with another mascot that is near and dear to my heart, but is something of a legend himself. And that is 
the Spurs mascot, Spurs Coyote. I was wondering if you'd draft him. He's cool. Oh, yeah. Spurs Coyote is the man. So Spurs Coyote is obviously the mascot of the San Antonio Spurs, a team that really, if we're being honest, is most famous for how boring it is. Now, <laughs> yeah, listen, true. listen, listen. This is just a, a narrative that was created by Spurs haters in the early 2000s to, you know, sort of minimize the fact that the Spurs were beating the hell out of everybody and they were in the finals every year and they won four championships, you know, whatever. That's that's fine. That's what it is. Five championships, I should say. Mm-hmm. Spurs Coyote is badass. Okay. He, uh, he's got like the craziest coked out eyeballs. Like you can see like his veins in there. He's just a wild card. He's sort of like, I don't know if Charlie Kelly was a mascot besides green man, who obviously is great. Can we draft green man? No, nah, he's not nah, a real sports mascot. Nah, I thought about it. Yeah. No. I mean, if we could, but no, that's a technicality. Yeah. I'm going to take Spurs coyote. He just, uh, for NBA mascots, he really, he's the top of the heap. Number one, in my heart and in my mind, <laughs> my next pick snaking back around to me mm-hmm. is going to be the rally monkey, the Los ah. Angeles, the, the Anaheim angels. Yep. Oh, it's, he's a mascot. All right. All right. All right. I Googled sports mascots and he's on the list. So he definitely Shh. qualifies. Sure. Uh, the rally monkey is awesome because yeah, he's, he's a monkey and he wears an angel's Jersey. And that's really all I have to say about him. Like he just is, I think he's, he's a little a, rhesus monkey, right? Like one of the little yeah, guys that he, one of the really tiny ones, the yeah. ones that couldn't like strangle you to death in your <laughs> sleep and wouldn't like beat the hell out of you. Right. You know, not like a gorilla or an orangutan, no. something that's like threatening. He's yeah. just very cute. He's wearing a jersey. He holds up a sign that says it's rally time. I think he's long since deceased, which is it makes me sad to think about. But Rally Monkey, he had a great run. He went to a World Series. He's um he's a he's a good pick there. I like him. I'm <laughs> okay. taking him I like it. Uh, I'm gonna pick the NBA mascot that I think about dunking the ball the most. Which there were two. <laughs> there are two that I considered, but there are two mascots that in my opinion, rise above the rest for dunking. The first one that I will take is the Suns Gorilla. Dude, this mm. gorilla gets up. He's got a bunch of trampoline routines, and I've seen basically the best mascot dunks of all time have all been the Suns Gorilla. I don't know if they, like, <laughs> had a Suns player being the gorilla for a while or something, but, like, dude has hops, and he's very athletic. And the funny thing is a lot of mascots are very cartoonish-looking, right? Like, yep. they, they look like – it would be in like a, like a puppet show or something. The gorilla just looks like someone was like, can we get like the most realistic gorilla outfit? Yeah, or, it's or... very, it's very incongruous. With... Yes. It's yes. like, it's like tight fitting and it's like an actual like gorilla head. And I, and I just, I, I love the sun's gorilla and everything about him. And then the other one that I'll mention, if you don't draft him um, is going to come later, but my last pick, if I say the mascot named Dinger, do you know who that is? Uh, is he the dinosaur? For he is. The Rockies? Good job. Yeah. Dinger the dinosaur. So the cool thing about the Rockies Triceratops mascot, in my opinion, was that when they were building Coors, they found a seven foot long, 1000 pound Triceratops fossil while they were excavating for the stadium. And so they named or, or they created their mascot as a Triceratops in honor of this giant badass dinosaur fossil that they found while 
digging for the building. So I love Dinger. And he's called Dinger, and they hit Dingers and Coors, and, and it's... Yeah, he's cool, and he hatched out from an egg. If you've never <laughs> seen the video, yeah, like the, right. the way they introduced him was literally like they, they hatched him out of an egg. and Life you know, finds a way. That's right. Uh, so this is my final pick. And if you don't veto it, I'm going to take a sports mascot for a fictional team. Ah, I mean, whatever. It's just a draft. Who cares? What? Who is it? <laughs> it's the mascot for the Milwaukee Beers of the Basketball oh. League. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's, it's literally a beer keg. Yeah. And he's pictured on the scene with Coop and Remmer in the mm-hmm. movie several times. It's literally mm-hmm. just a, an anthropomorphic beer keg with legs and a face that looks like a Mr. Potato Head, but it's a beer keg. And I'm drafting him not only for his appearance, which is hilarious, but there's a scene where he goes to one of the, uh, the long urinals, you know, the long, <laughs> yeah, the trough the sports stadium troughs yeah. and, uh, and urinates through the, through the, <laughs> the tap, tap. Yeah. of the keg. Yeah, yes, for sure. It's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's a good pick. I kind of wish I had thought about fictional teams because I bet there are some other good ones on the list. It's an untapped market for sure. And uh, <laughs> it you know. is the dunking mascot that I was thinking of is also the Raptor, the Toronto Raptors Raptor gets up. He's got you really like of, dinosaur mascots. And well, the Raptor dunks, he's got, he's got moves. And then uh, the jazz bear is like the, the prankster. He's the one who like, there's a bunch of videos of him, like accidentally, like dropping a cake onto some fans and like accidentally doing stuff that even though it's staged, it's, it's always pretty, uh, pretty funny. I think the jazz guy gets into it. And then the sausages from Milwaukee and the presidents from DC, those are kind of iconic groups of mascots. And yeah. The presidents are, the presidents are a good one. I considered them as well. Yeah. And, I, um, and Benny the bull from the bulls. I like him a lot. He's kind of a childhood mascot more than anything, but uh, that was my list. So to recap, Philly fanatic one gritty two, Casey wolf, three Yuppie four, Mr. Met five Spurs coyote, six rally monkey, seven sons, gorilla, eight dinger, the dinosaur, nine, and the beer <laughs> from the Milwaukee beers. I crushed that draft. We're going to have to put this on a Twitter poll. I will absolutely win this poll this time. I drafted the best mascot squad. There is no disputing it. We'll see you all next time.